If you believe that there's a heaven and hell and people could be going to hell or not getting eternal life or whatever, and you think that, uh, well, it's not really worth telling them this because it would make it socially awkward. How much do you have to hate somebody to not proselytize? How much do you have to hate somebody to believe that everlasting life is possible and not tell them that? I love that intro. It gives me tingles every single time I see it. My name's Pastor Mark. I'm one of the uh, lead pastors here, and I get the, the pleasure and the duty to deliver the message this week. Late last year, the preaching team, teaching team got together, and we were looking at the calendar for what we felt like God was telling us we, need to, we needed to bring to the church this year. And so when Romans Road was mentioned, I was like, yes, I love that idea. And it's not because I love evangelism or I, I have a big passion for it, I'm at, or I'm even very good at it because I don't really feel like I'm very good at it. But what I do believe is God has given us a story. Each and every one of us has given us a story of what he's done in our lives and we should be passionate about that and be able to tell our friends, our family, our coworkers, because what God has done in our lives has been so amazing. And so that's, what I, that's why I really was excited about this series. And then as we were looking at what we were going to be preaching on, I volunteered to preach this sermon because this scripture has a deep meaning for me. Um, and I'll go into that a little bit later. But I am really looking forward to uh, preaching this sermon today. I'm a digital person, so that's why I have my laptop up here. But I also have my backup notes. Last time, last time I got up here, I was going to preach from my wife's tablet. And right before I came on, I turned it on and it said low battery. <laughs> it gave me a bit of a heart attack. So I charged this thing all last night and then all this morning I still had it plugged in over there because I did not want to go through that again. <laughs> okay, so uh, let's get started. Last week, Pastor Daniel, he preached about the situation, not his abs, but the situation that we're all in with sin. He, he preached Romans 3.23, for all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. So try as we might, we have all fallen short. We learned through his sermon that because of original sin in the garden, we all fall short. He talked about how in the garden, we didn't have these 10 commandments that we had to live by. We had one commandment. Don't eat of the tree. And then we ate of the tree. And because of that, we're in this situation. Every single one of us are in this situation where because of sin, we have all fallen short of the glory of God. And so keep that in mind as we go through the, the service this week. So this week, we're going to be going through Romans 6, 23. And we're going to be looking at three different contrasts that we can see in that verse. So 
The verse is, for the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. So the three contrasts we're going to look at this week, it's sin versus God. We're going to look at wages versus free gift. And then we're going to look at death versus eternal life. All right. So the very first contrast we're going to look at is between two masters. We have sin and we have God. And so if you were to go back and read through verse uh, six, I mean, chapter six, you would see Paul developing this image of slavery. um, And so in verse 22, it says, but now that you have been set free from sin and have become slaves to God, the fruit you get leads to sanctification and it's in eternal life. So here you can see the contrast uh, between one slave master's sin and the other slave master's God. They are competing slave masters. It says freed from sin and enslaved to God. So that is the picture that Paul is painting for us in chapter six. So let's talk about slavery a little bit. When we hear the word slave and slave master, we probably don't have the best picture in mind, right? I mean, have you guys ever seen the movie 12 Years a Slave? It won an Academy Award back in 2013. It's about a guy, uh, African-American, who was kidnapped in Washington, D.C. Uh, by a couple con men and then sold into slavery in Louisiana for 12 years, where eventually he was freed. And there's not much about that story that sounds wonderful, except for the part that he was freed. <laughs> or you, we can think about today, in, in our world today. Back in 2016, there was a survey And it said that 40.3 million people are in modern slavery today. 40.3 million people. That includes 24.9 million people in forced labor. Here's an interesting one. 15.4 million people are in forced marriages today. So with those thoughts in mind, it's hard to think of any type of slavery as being a good thing, right? So... Let's paint a different picture of what true slavery is when we talk about coming home to God. So being indentured to God as our master is the only true slavery, and we were actually created for it. It's the only true slavery in the universe because God owns us. He owns everything. And so therefore, he owns us, and he owes us no wages because When your creation does what you created it to do, there's no wages necessary. Only God owns the creations. So to be enslaved to God is what a true slavery is. He's our true master. But sin, on the other hand, is another kind of master. He pays us a wage because he needs something from us. Sin was never meant to be a master of God's creation. He's an alien master, foreign master, and humans were never meant to serve him. But last week, remember the situation we're all in. We were all meant to serve God. We were meant to be dependent on God's grace each and every day. We were never meant to be 
debtors to sin's wages. So sin as a master is so very deceptive and evil. His demands seem pleasant though. When we sin, we don't sin out of duty. We don't sin because it's the right thing to do. Sin exercises his power as a master over us through the pleasures that he promises us. So here's the deception that sin as a master gives us. When we obey sin, we feel like it's a freedom that we have. It's our freedom to do this. It doesn't feel like we're earning anything. It feels like we're getting gifts of pleasure and freedom. So back in the day, I used to smoke cigarettes. And I loved it. I loved smoking. It was the greatest thing ever. I mean, I first started smoking to fit in. I wanted to be in the cool crowd. And then I figured out like, hey, when I'm stressed out, a cigarette is amazing. After a, a, a nice meal, a cigarette seemed to just hit the spot. I mean, I loved it. So I started off smoking just a little bit. A pack would last me a week. And then by the time I ended, I was, you know, a pack would be good to last me a day. But I mean, if smoking a little bit was amazing, smoking a lot was even more amazing. Pretty cool. So the second contrast we're going to look at, I know that's a weird way to end that story. Stick with me. Stick with me. Stick with me. So the second contrast we're going to look at is wages versus free gifts. And I want to do a little bit of a clarification on this point, because I think oftentimes when we see this, we, we have the wrong picture in mind. So I feel like when most people hear the phrase wages, wages of sin, and I think that they think the meaning is something like this, the wages you get when you sin. So the wages of sin mean to them the wage of doing sin. So in this picture, sin is the action that we do in order to get the wage. But I don't think that's the picture that Paul was pointing us to. Uh, if we go back to verse 22 again, but now you have been set free from sin and have become slaves to God. So Paul tells us that we have been set free and are now slaves to God. So we were freed from one master sin to another master God. So if we take wages of sin as wages of doing sin, then we have to take the free gift of God that way and say the gift of doing good, and that just doesn't work. That's not, that's not what the word says. Free gift of God means free gift that God gives us. So a parallel would be wages of sin. Um, sorry, I lost my spot. Sin is not what we do to earn wages. Sin is the master that pays us the wage. So that's what Paul is trying to describe here. So let's look at how the two slave masters pay their slaves. So a wage is something that you earn. You did something and you now earn a wage. But a gift is something that you can never earn. It is a gift. A wage is a matter of debt and justice. So when you, when you get a wage, it's because you are owed a wage. A free gift is a matter of benefit and grace. So you can't take someone to court 
for not giving you a free gift, right? But you deserve your wage. You worked for it. You deserve it. You don't earn a free gift. Otherwise, it wouldn't be free, right? So we talked about slavery to God as a good thing a little while ago. What makes this so good is that one true, the, that our one true master and owner of the universe gives us gifts, not wages. Why is that a good news? Because earning wages actually depletes us. The hope of the wage, we hope that the wage will make up for the depletion. You know, we work really hard. We spend a lot of our time at work and we hope that the money we get for that will make up for that time. Does that make sense? So my oldest son, Jonah, he started a, he started a full-time job in the construction industry. He's also a full-time student at BC. So he's a busy kid. So this past week, he got a couple days off because his crew was waiting on another crew to finish their job so that they could come in and keep working. And so I asked my son, I was like, what do you feel about, you know, getting a couple days off? And he's like, you know, I think it's really amazing because work is really exhausting. And I said, welcome to work. <laughs> but getting gifts, it, that, it doesn't deplete us at all. When, when you've done absolutely nothing and someone gives you a, a gift, it doesn't make you tired. It doesn't deplete you at all. So wages implies that, our, that the master actually has work that we need to get done and he needs to pay us for it. Gifts indicate that the master does not need our work and doesn't have to pay us for anything. So the one true master in the universe has no needs, right? Has no needs. And that's why he pays no wages. He doesn't need us to do anything at all. So to those who trust him, he only gives gifts. That's why his yoke is easy and his burden is light. It is the sweetest slavery in the world. Now, sin as a master, on the other hand, is so deceptive and evil. His, de his demands seem pleasant. And when we sin, we don't, again, don't sin out of duty. So why does sin pay wages if when we're sinning, it feels so good. It feels like pleasure. It feels like freedom. So I'm going to talk about two different reasons why uh, he pays us. And the first is work for wages depletes us. Sin's demands deplete us. And we hope that those wages will restore our drain time and energy. But the problem is, is sin doesn't restore anything. Sin only takes and takes and takes. Sin never gives back. I want you to picture it this way. So I want you to picture a vampire. So you're thinking of like Brad Pitt or Tom Cruise. So sin is the vampire and you are the prey that the vampire needs in order to survive. Okay. We have that picture in our mind. So the vampire has a trick. And the trick to keep you coming back so he could keep draining you is that every time he drinks your blood, he gets you high. So even if everyone in your life said, hey, that vampire is evil, he's trying to kill you, you would fight back and go, no, he's not. 
He's helping me. I don't have to go there. Everything's fine. That's the trick that sin has in our lives. The second reason that sin pays a wage, even though it doesn't feel like it to us as slaves, is because at the end of our lives, we will deserve what he pays. We can never earn eternal life. It's always going to be a free gift of God. We can never earn it. This is when we'll see the true cruelty of sin as a master. When we add up all the wages that he's paid to us, it will all add up to death. The wage he gives us for a lifetime of service to him, a lifetime of service to him is death. And he'll just be sitting to the side laughing because we did exactly what he wanted us to do. So I'll go back to my smoking story because I know you guys are all wondering if I'm still doing it or not. (laughs) So while I was smoking, I loved smoking. I loved every aspect of smoking. And I didn't really feel like it was costing me anything at all. It was something that I enjoyed. But the truth is that while I was smoking, it was really harming my body. The nicotine was corrupting my cells in my body. The smoke and tar were collecting in my lungs. And I was getting sick all the time. I was coughing all the time. And even worse than that to me at that time was, man, it was costing me an arm and a leg. It was so expensive. And what I found out was, even though I thought I had this freedom to do what I enjoyed, I thought, hey, this is a great joy and pleasure. What really happened was I was addicted to it. And I couldn't stop. I was completely addicted to it. John Piper describes our relationship with sin this way. He says... Hell is the wage that sin pays in the same way that a prostitute's venereal disease and prison sentence is the wage that a pimp pays. They don't pay the wage. They just lure and deceive, lie and drain and ruin, disappear and leave their their slaves sick and guilty before the courts before the judgment of God. So Christians, let me ask you this question. Do you remember this part of your life? Do you remember when you were a slave to sin? Do you remember being in that downward spiral, working and working, trying to gain traction, but the only thing that was happening was you were descending deeper and deeper? Do you remember the hole that was missing in you? That thing you kept trying to fill? You filled it with stuff, with people, with cars, with work. And every time you tried to fill it, it just got deeper and deeper. Do you remember that? Now, when you see your coworker in that exact same downward spiral, how do you feel? When you see that person's life imploding from sin's grip on them, do you think, man, I got to tell them about my Jesus? Or do you think they're sinning and they're getting what they deserve? I believe too many of us forget that slavery 
that we were once in, we forget that sin's grip on the world is tight. And the reason I believe that is because I see it in myself. Earlier I said I picked this verse to preach because it had a meaning to me. And this is the meaning that it has to me. I have to keep reminding myself that I am the chief of all sinners. I deserve death for what I've done. But it was only because a free gift that was given to me that my life has changed. And here's the truth. I said I see it in myself, but... I'm on Twitter and other social media platforms, and I follow a lot of proclaimed Christians. And it seems like we're more out for blood and forgetting the blood that we actually owe. And that's a problem. That's the problem that I think we're all in. All right, let's go to the third contrasting pair, and that is death versus eternal life. So it says again, For the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. Sin's ultimate and summary wage is death. And God's ultimate and summary gift is eternal life. And since life is eternal, the death that is spoken of here is also eternal. So all of sin's benefits are summed up in eternal death and all of God's benefits are summoned up as eternal life. One of the problems I think that we can see here is is it can be a little confusing when we're talking about as the wage of death or of sin is death and we can look and go, everybody dies. So therefore we are all getting this, this wage that is there. But that's That's not really how it breaks down. And we'll get into that in just a second. So the parallel between sin and God as a master kind of breaks down when we talk about this third contrast. So sin will have no say in the hand of the gift of eternal life. Sin will never be able to say, you should give him the gift. God would never listen to sin. But God will have total say and a sovereign hand in the wages of death. So here's the reality. God is really fair God. Earlier I mentioned that you couldn't take someone to court for not giving you a free gift, but you totally can take someone to court for not paying you your wages, right? And God would be that that lawyer fighting for you to get your wage. Hey, he worked for this. You worked hard for this. You should totally get this wage that you've worked hard for. God is fair and he wants us to get our fair judgment. So then let's talk about what is the payment of death? So the ultimate meaning here is not ceasing to exist. So I talked about earlier, like we, everyone dies. So obviously we're all in this problem, but that, that's not it. It's not ceasing to exist. It is more of eternal consciousness. Conscience, torment under God's just and holy wrath. So eternally being judged and having the wrath of God on us. That is the final wage of sin. Sin seduces his slaves to disobeying God and then he disappears at the judgment 
and we're now sitting under the hand of God. So what is eternal life? Eternity with God as the giver. Praises. That is what eternal life means. God remains the giver forever and ever. There will never be a time when God is not giving more new joys to his people. God will never run out of gifts. God is the giver and he will never stop being God. That is eternal life. So if that doesn't give you the tingles, let me read this verse to you. So Ephesians 2, 7 says, So that in the coming age he might show the immeasurable riches of his grace and kindness towards us in Christ Jesus. So do you guys see what that means? It means that eternal life is what it will take for God to exhaust his riches of kindness to us. Woo! The gifts he has for us in himself are infinite in number and in perfection. Therefore, it will take the eternity to give them to us for our enjoyment. There will be a never-ending display of new and beautiful things about God from God to us to enjoy. That's super huge. And I was trying to like come up with a great example, uh, story to show you guys. And this is what I came up with. And I think it's amazing. So I hope you do too. Do you remember when you met the love of your life? How amazing that was. For me, it's my wife, Chris. Love of my life. She was amazing. The sparkle in her eyes amazed me for weeks. The way she put away dishes. (laughs) Amazing. I remember the first time we did laundry together. The way she folded my unmentionables. I knew you would like this. I knew you'd like this. But for some reason, those initial amazing feelings kind of died away. I still love my wife more than anything else on this earth. I love her to death. But those initial feelings aren't there anymore. And so I, I, I was pondering that, like, why in the world, if I love her, she's the love of my life, why don't I still have those feelings? And I still love her. I still have great feelings for her. But the thing I was trying to come up with is like, why do I not have those same feelings? And I was like, is it boredom? Did I get bored with her? Well, no, I'm not, not bored with her. And what I came up with is most likely I allowed other things to come in and steal my attention away from her. That's probably why those initial feelings are not still there. It's because I'm letting other things get in the way. Well, in this new age, there will be no boredom. There will be nothing to steal our attention away from God and his mercies. And they will be new every single morning. That look, you know, that look that you got from your love, that will be new every single morning. God will give us something more, something better every single day because his his river of, of blessings is infinite, infinite. Let me tell you what infinite means. Something is infinite if it can give away forever and never get smaller. Right? Like God's giving and giving and giving and giving and giving. And his pile of giving is still there. It's still massive. 
It's not getting any smaller. Last week we talked about the situation that we are all in. We all sin. This week we dug a little bit deeper into the situation. We have all served a false master. And our wages for that, for sin, is death. But there's another master. The true master that doesn't give wages, but gives you gifts. And his, and his gift is eternal life. So this week, if last week was the situation, this week it's who is your master? Who do you serve? So let me tell you my story. Many of you don't know this about me, but I was a drug baby. My parents drugged me to church every day. <laughs> That the church was open. <sighs> My parents are in South Carolina. They're watching online. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> From a young age, I knew that my parents loved God. I knew that my parents loved my sister and me. I had a great childhood growing up, praise God, but I was also a child and I did everything that children do. I was that child in school that uh, I could talk to anything and everything and I did. You could sit me in a corner and I would talk to that post for hours. <laughs> My teachers I have no idea how they dealt with me. When I was in second grade, uh, I had this teacher, Mrs. Rollins. I still know Mrs. Rollins to this day. We still talk to this day. She wants me to call her Cindy. I told her there's no way that I would ever call you anything other than Mrs. Rollins. But her husband's name is Jimmy. <laughs> well, in second grade, I talked so much that um, she held me accountable to my parents for my actions. One of the ways I actually noticed that she liked me was she wanted the best for me and she would hold me accountable for my actions. And so she literally had a pad that she had made printed that said, Mark was bad or good today. And she would circle one of the two and then she would sign it. Literally every single day, I had to take that home. There was not a two-week period that I got was good every day. Like, as much as I tried, and I did try, like, my nature, I just talked all the time. If you guys, uh, if you guys are the teachers to my son Josiah, you're welcome. He talks and talks. My goodness. <laughs> I hated taking these letters home to my parents when it said was not good. Not because I didn't want a spanking, which I didn't, but I got anyways. But because I hated disappointing my parents. Like I hated like my parents going, oh, again? 
You know, that was like hell to me. Like I absolutely hated that. So moving on to third grade, I realized that I wanted Jesus in my life. I realized I needed a savior. And so I talked to my dad and we talked about what that meant. We talked to my pastor about what that meant. We talked through how I had sinned and because of my sin, I needed, I deserved a punishment. And my dad explained to me how that punishment was given to Jesus when he came and he died for us. And I knew that I needed him as my Lord and Savior. Even though we all served the wrong master, even though I served the wrong master, God had a way out. John 5.24 says, Truly, truly, I say to you, whoever hears my word and believes him who sent me has eternal life. And he does not come into judgment, but is passed from death to life. Even though sin has us all tricked into thinking we're free, know that he has a grip on us and he does not want to let us go. But if we trust in God, our true master, we will be set free. So as we're closing the service out, I have a couple things for you. Who's your master? And who do you want your master to be? Today, if you want your master to be the true master, the maker of the universe, we'd love to talk with you. We're gonna have people down front. We'd love for you to come down front and explain to you who the true master is and how you can become one of his followers. Second, if you're a Christian, I want you to remember what it felt like to be in that slavery to sin. I want you to, to, to ponder that, to dwell on that, not to feel bad because you are a new creation and that is not who you are anymore, but to remember the pain so that when you see people around you that are slaves to sin, that are going through the same hurt that you went through, that you can tell them that, hey, you've been through the same thing and you know there's a way out. Tell them your story about how God changed your life and tell them that God can do the same for you. If you have, today we're doing baptism. Not planned. We had four people that said, well, I need to get baptized. And we said, let's fill that tank up. But this is an open call to anybody that has not taken that step of baptism and you're ready. We have clothes for you. We have hair dryers. We are ready for you today. If you have already signed up and you know you're getting baptized, you can go to this door on the far side over here and there'll be people over there ready to help you. Today, if you know I need to take that step and you're ready, head over there and talk to somebody and say, hey, I need to get baptized. Let me say a prayer for us and then come forward as you feel. Father God, Lord, thank you for your gift, God. Thank you for true slavery where you are a true master. 
We are your possessions, God, and you love us and you shower us with gifts, God, of your glory. God, today, Lord, I ask that um, you open the hearts of the people around us, God. God, you call home the people that are slaves to sin, God. Call them home to you, God. Lord, open our eyes to the people around us, God. Help us share our story about how you've worked in our lives and were amazing to us, Lord. God, give us the strength to not fill out a place, to not worry about what they're gonna feel or think about us, God. But God, help us to remember the pain they're going through and not wanting them to be through that pain that we've gone through. Help us to tell them there is a way out, God. Lord God, we love you. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Come forward as you need. You can stand and worship.